Okay, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. Listen, I bet you're expecting a football episode right now, maybe a Chiefs episode, maybe some sort of preview going forward. But no, the podcast has turned the corner. And as we enter into the new year, football winding down, we are launching. And this is the first episode of the college basketball podcast portion of the Figure It Out pod here with you guys tonight. Uh, You'll probably hear this tomorrow morning, but whatever, ignore that. Um, I've been having this idea for a while. Uh, I absolutely love college basketball and, uh, you know, basketball is one of those sports and it's kind of one of the only ones where you kind of have two really different teams um, within one team. You start out the year and you really don't know the identity of your team besides like maybe the top tier programs. But I would even say that they don't really know what their identity is. And then once you get into the new year, uh, you really start to like kind of you start conference play and you see where these teams are at. And uh, so I figured why put more work on it when we can get into the nitty gritty of the season right here, start the podcast up now. March is not far away, uh, one of the best times of the year. And uh, I'm excited to announce that doing this episode with me for the next few weeks is my good friend. Longtime good friend, ex-college basketball player himself, Garrett Skipworth. Skippy, my brother, welcome aboard, man. What's up, bro? I'm super happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, like you said, dude, wish uh, wish today's episode could still be a Chiefs recap. Yeah. But uh, that's just a whole different, whole other story. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, we're in the middle of college basketball. And, and like you said, man, March is right around the corner and uh, one of the best times of year for all of sports. And I'm super stoked and, and I can't wait to uh, have some good chats about hoops, man. Yeah, I was looking, uh, I was looking today, um, just online, I got some time at work. And uh, I mean, conference tourney, Arch Madness is in like three weeks. <laughs> oh, no, so, it, it's right around the corner, man. I mean, it, it, uh, it creeps up on you quick. And, um, you know, it, it's pretty crazy, because it seems like not that long ago, whenever the season started. And yeah. now we're, uh, now we're in conference play. And, every game matters and teams are trying to, like you said, figure it out. And, oh, that wasn't even a, uh, Hey, was... I see what you did there, Skip. <laughs> Excellent work. Look at that. Yeah. people. The kid is seasoned already. We are, uh, we are on the figure it out podcast. <laughs> yep. And that's what we do best here. That's what we do best. And, uh, absolutely, man. And teams are looking to play their best basketball here in the next uh, month or so. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, we're starting right now, actually. We are recording mid-Duke game. Shout out Coach Griffin. Uh, Skip caught that Duke game. (laughs) That's a little inside joke for the GHS uh, crowd uh, on the podcast. But anyway, uh, Skip alluded to it, uh, team battling in the conference. I mean, Virginia on the road right now at Cameron Indoor winning 39-36 after a Duke made free throw. So we'll keep that uh, in mind. I think that's a great way to start this podcast. I'm not going to sit here and act skeevy like uh, like I really like care about really what happened in November. I would say that we're starting this podcast at this point in the season. So all of our takes from here on out don't really include anything that's happened. 
um, because I really didn't feel like going back and doing that much research. So we're starting, well, how we're going to set this up, uh, we're going to go over some games from the weekends. We're each going to have our own separate notes uh, about what we want to talk about, but I, I think we should start um, with, uh, with the weekend. Um, and, and the first thing I have written down, Skip, is uh, this Kansas-Baylor game. Uh, 83-59 Kansas. Blue Bloods are kind of back this season, kind of the year the Blue Bloods, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, uh, really damn good teams. Um, but this was just a surprising win because I know, and I think you had this, I think you wanted to talk about this. Maybe we can wrap this in here. I mean, Kansas, one of the best home court, if not the home court advantages in the country. And, and Baylor, obviously defending national champion. I mean, you beat them by almost 40. Like, that is just crazy to me. Uh, Skip, talk about, talk about what you think from Kansas, and then, and then I'll go. Honestly, man, it's pretty crazy, you know, because uh, college basketball, there are so many good teams, and you have to bring it night in and night out. And, yeah. I mean, you truly never know what's going to happen sometimes. And, um, you know, I think with Kansas always being a powerhouse every single year, you kind of just come to a point where you're accustomed to seeing them in the top 10. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's just crazy. And, I have it jotted down here. Um, their last couple of games, um, you alluded to the home court advantage at Allen Fieldhouse, which is, I'm not even a KU fan at all. Like you said, I'm a diehard Duke fan, but Allen Fieldhouse is something special, man. I mean, that I, uh, I just went to a game there whenever they played Texas Tech a couple weeks ago and it went double overtime. Yeah. And the place is absolutely electric. I mean, I, I could. I could barely hear the guy standing right next to me. And so I, I can't even imagine what it's like playing out there and coaching and whatnot. But anyways, man, so, you know, their last couple of games, they go from a hard-fought battle with a 94-91 win over Texas Tech. And then they get blown out by Kentucky, 80-60. to yeah. And then – and that was at home, which is uh, a pretty crazy stat to me, actually. Bill Self's career at Allen Fieldhouse. Get this. 261 and 14 you said you said 261 yes it did not stutter 261 and 14 and he has 15 big 12 titles so he has more titles than he has home losses in his career at kansas which is insane to me so they go from getting blown out to kentucky to plan a tough game, top 25 team against at Iowa State. They get a gritty win there. And then, yeah, man, like you said, they come back and absolutely blow blow Baylor out of the water, which was very, very surprising. Um, so, I mean, you just – you got to be on your your A game at all times. I mean, you you just truly never know. And and these guys are so talented. And, and honestly, whenever you're a top-tier team like that, you're going to get every team's best effort. So every time, you know, if you uh, if you think for one second that you can overlook anybody, you're you're solely mistaken. So, um, I mean, it, it's it's an exciting time right now for college basketball. And, um, you know, there are a lot of good teams that are going to be competing for a national title come March. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, 
I, Kansas just always seems so balanced. They almost just like don't do anything that great. They just do everything so wet, like good. And, mm-hmm. and they just suffer. I think their defense is some of the best in the country year in and year out. Um, I don't really want to make this sound like a Kansas heavy podcast because I actually hate Kansas too, but you got to give respect where it's due. I've never been to Allen Fieldhouse. Um, I mean, it looks awesome on TV, but. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you right now, man, that's got to be one of the places for all you sports out there. That's got to be a, a bucket list for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. I got to catch a game there sometime. Probably wouldn't be that. Like how much, like I'm assuming, shout out to our boy Tyson Batiste, by the way, who uh, coaches at Texas Tech. But did you get his tickets? Is that, did he like leave them for you guys or? So we. Because uh, you went to that game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to that. Um, shout out Tyson Batiste, like you said, coaching at right. Texas Shout out to my boys, uh, Jack Simpson and Alec Gathright, who I went to the game with as well. But uh, no, man, it tickets were like 25 bucks. So they weren't that they weren't that expensive at all. Wow. Um, and I mean, there's not there's not a bad seat in that arena. So um, you're just there. You're all packed in and and, uh, you know, very similar to what Duke would be like at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I mean, those fans, they're just they're so passionate. You can just. Yeah feel it in the in the arena and and every every single play is is so monumental and um you know whenever good plays happen I mean that place just erupts and uh you know I like I said Ochai Abaji he hit a three to tie the game and uh to put it into overtime with you know only a couple seconds left on the clock and I could I could barely hear I mean it was (laughs) believable (laughs) that's awesome well, quickly, we'll run through the weekend. Um, I got the slate pulled up here from what happened, so I'll just run through some games that kind of catch my eye. Uh, team we need to talk about, we'll talk about probably the rest of the year, Auburn escapes uh, Athens, Georgia. They win by two. Um, I actually rewatched those highlights today. Auburn is – there. I think people forget sometimes just how athletic basketball players are, and there are some really athletic – teams in the country right now that cause a lot of issues for a lot of people and I got a team I'm not going to say it right now but I got a team I watched yesterday that I think could be a huge sleeper in the in the tournament just based on their ability to shoot but also their ability to defend they were defending at such a high level I couldn't believe it um and Auburn's one of those teams as well they they can defend really well uh Gonzaga I hate to even I hate Gonzaga. I might hate Gonzaga more than Kansas, just given their schedule, dude. The schedule's yeah. such a joke. Like Gonzaga's schedule is such a joke year in and year out. Shout out to my boy Nick Masoner. He hates Gonzaga too. I mean, dude, when you're playing St. Mary's, like think of Kansas' schedule. Kansas is a year in, year out program who plays Baylor on a Saturday and then has to go to Austin on Monday for Big Monday, which by the way, they're underdogs in. <laughs> <laughs> don't get that but we'll talk about that in a second um but gonzaga yeah you get you play saint mary's you play byu you play pepperdine Ooh, big big games there um that's why they don't do that good in the tournament dude they're never pressured i mean they won this game by 33 <laughs> yeah it's pretty unreal and it doesn't make any sense to me how their schedule is such a cakewalk every single year um you know their conference they're... sucks 
Yeah, yeah. Their next game is uh, against Pacific, who is seven and fifteen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just it'd be interesting to see how Gonzaga would do in a conference like the Big Twelve, having to play these powerhouse teams every single game, and and how they would match up with them. You know, um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm not a uh, Gonzaga fan, but you know they they are a good program. They are a good yeah. team every year, but. I don't think that they would be as good as they are if they were in a different conference. Dude, they're literally a blue blood in a mid-major. It would be like taking Duke or Kansas and putting them in the Missouri Valley. Yeah. Doesn't and make like, any sense at all. No. And, I mean, it's uh, you know, I think that they're kind of in the position that they need to just load their non-conference schedule every single year yeah. to kind of kind of take out that narrative a little bit but um you know I, I'm, I'm not much of a Gonzaga fan either <laughs> I'm right yeah. there with you <laughs> they actually should join this conference moving forward they should join the Pac-12 huge matchup huge uh standings implications actually UCLA went to Arizona State and lost in triple overtime I think if you're UCLA uh what's that his Jan Uzai yep he's yep. unreal that kid can score the basketball. But I think yeah. when you lose a conference game in triple overtime, I think you just kind of sweep that under the rug. Like, I mean, tough loss. Like, that doesn't really affect you that bad, I don't think, if you're number three. I could not agree anymore. That's that's a great take. I mean, that's uh, a triple overtime game. I mean, that's, that's a dogfight. You know, that's yeah. down to simple matter of making one or two plays more than the other team to pull out that win or – you know, a call here or there, or a missed shot that you normally make nine times out of 10. So, yeah, you you got to take a loss like that with a grain of salt. And, you know, I'm sure that that coach was was proud of his guys for competing the way that they did. Yeah, I think that's actually Mick Cronin from throwback Cincinnati, Mick Cronin uh, at UCLA. He's probably yeah. actually he's probably pissed or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, you know, obviously you, deep down, you hate to lose the game, but like you mentioned, man, they're still uh, they're still the number three team in the na- in the nation, and so they got a lot a lot looking forward to uh, you know coming up in their in their schedule and whatnot. And um, I think that yeah, you just gotta you gotta dust that one off and move on to the next one. Definitely, uh, Michigan down year for them. Uh, they went to Purdue and lost by six. Purdue just such a consistent program year in and year out. Uh, I can't believe they're a top. I mean, I would say they're in, a, you know, the last couple of years, they've, they're a top 10 program in the country. I mean, they're always right around the top seven in the country, it seems like. Maybe mm-hmm. they drop down here and there, but um, they pick up a huge road win. Kentucky at Bama. Kentucky goes on the road. Bama, Nate Oates, going to be a tough game every time you play. Um, unreal 11-point win in Tuscaloosa. Kentucky, dude um we alluded to them you know the blue bloods being back is Kentucky real I mean they dumped Kansas yeah I mean you got to take notice for sure and um you know just going through the the top 10 right here real quick you got Auburn Gonzaga UCLA Purdue Kentucky Houston Arizona Baylor Duke and Kansas and like you said, man, it's it's just so crazy and it's so balanced that, for instance, Duke at the very uh, beginning of the season beats Kentucky, and yeah. then 
Kentucky comes out the other day and beats Alabama, who was a preseason top 25 team who right. is not even. So, you know, Kentucky's looking for real. I mean, whenever you got a dude in the paint, that's, that's putting up 20 and twenties. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty surreal. Um, and, you know, Kentucky's always going to be in the mix, man. They're always, no matter what, they're always going to be right there um, competing for a national title. So yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of, of, of star power and within that top 10. Yeah. Tons of star power and God, it's just Kentucky does it every year. I mean, they always, even if they have it down here, they have the, it's one of the best recruiting classes in the country for some reason that like, like, I feel like they just always have the best recruiting class. They're not necessarily always the best team, like Duke, Kansas, Gonzaga. Like, those teams are kind of have been better. But Calipari can recruit, man. Unbelievable. Um, going out west again, uh, USC was a team that a lot of people were talking about preseason going to be really good because they, they did have a really good uh, tournament run last year. But they kind of have fallen off as of late. Um, I just lost the game for some reason. Why can't I find? Oh, here it is. Sorry. Uh, number 19 USC went to Arizona, who's number seven. Um, and real quick, the reading the top 10, that's blue blood central. I mean, there wasn't a non blue blood in that top 10, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't say Purdue is a blue blood, but I mean, damn good program. Uh, Arizona mm -hmm. wins by nine, uh, in the desert. Um, another team that's just going to be around the mix. Uh, we already alluded to Baylor, Kansas. Um, I'm going to turn this one over to you, Skeeby, uh, and then we'll get into it a little bit here. Duke at North Carolina. Skip, take it away. Wow. What a game. I was absolutely loving every single second of it. Beat down. 20-point um, win, 87-67 Blue Devils. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, as a fan of the game – Obviously, I was uh, going into it expecting Duke to win. Uh, did I expect them to win by 20? No, <laughs> but they played a very, very good game. And, and for it to be Coach K's uh, second to last tobacco road rivalry, um, you know, I was I was loving it and, and they played really, really well. And uh, it's just it's such a storied rivalry and it's so crazy looking back on it. Um, I was looking back at some of the stats and UNC, unfortunately, currently leads the all time rivalry 141 to 115. So still wow. fairly bad. Um, but then you got um, I'm super happy for Coach K, obviously being his last year. Uh, he is now 50, 46 over UNC hmm. uh, and noting that Coach K's very last game of his entire career will be at Cameron Indoor Stadium against the one and only UNC. So that will be an unbelievable game. Um, and then the craziest stat to me, this blew my mind. I'm sure you actually saw this on the, on the broadcast. I think that they mm -hmm. had a – but dating back to the last 100 games going into Saturday – the record between Duke and UNC was 50 and 50. And not only was it 50 and 50, but the points scored were damn near identical. The points scored in the series in the last 100 games, Duke 7,829, UNC 7,841. 
So a difference of 12 points in the last 100 matchups. And I mean, that's just can't even script that better. <laughs> no, like think of how many buzzer beaters there are that you know of, like from that series. Like the one that stands out to me the most is that Austin Rivers one. Oh, uh, one of the best. Dude. Uh, those where I remember exactly where I was. Oh, how my old. God. But, yeah, I mean, that was back in uh, back in 2012. And um, at the time, Duke was number nine and UNC was number five in the nation. And I mean, they were down two. He hits that three literally at the buzzer. You got Dick yeah. Vitale crazy in the background. I mean, it couldn't have been any better. So it, it's just such a storied rivalry. And, uh, you know, no matter what the teams are going through in that particular year, you know exactly what you're going to get out of a game like that. Just blood, mm-hmm. sweat, tears, and a game that goes down to the wire, except for the one on Saturday whenever Duke won by 20. Yeah, that's uh, it's such a good rivalry. And I don't particularly like Duke or UNC, but I mean, respect the hell out of their both their programs. Um, and of course, I'm watching that. Like, you're not a sports fan if you're not watching. So it's like you have to tune into that rivalry. I will say this, though, from a perspective standpoint, um, I like the game at Cameron Indoor way better. Oh, 1,000%, man. Dude, it's not, I don't even think it's close. And I honestly think that, like, watching it on TV maybe changes that. Like, I'm sure being at the UNC Stadium is probably – Besides the nostalgia factor of Cameron Indoor, UNC's arena looks a little bit nicer than Cameron Indoor. Yeah. But, like, oh. the, on TV, Cameron Indoor looks awesome, especially <laughs> for that game. And- uh, yeah. It's, it's just, like you said, man, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger arena at UNC, of course. Yeah. Uh, Duke's arena is fairly small and compact, so I think – obviously that's one of the main reasons why it gets so loud in there but yeah it's just it's a completely different game whenever it's at Cameron Indoor I I know exactly what you mean I mean there's can't really put your uh can't really put words into it it's kind of hard to explain but it just it's different it's yeah I know I really don't I'm like sitting here trying to think about what to say and I'm like to like describe it to a listener but it's just like you have to see it to know what we're talking about. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> just keep – when is that game? Is it, You say it's the last game of the season? It's the last game of the season, and it's uh, March 5th at Cameron. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Coach K's last game of his, of his entire career. Oh, boy. There will be the red carpet rolled out for that one. <laughs> Man, I, I, uh, I hate to see him go. But, um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things. It's kind of kind of time. And he's he's obviously going out on a good note. And, um, you know, I think it's it's uh, pretty exciting to see a former player and a coach that's coached under him for a couple years to take over. So I, I think it'll be a fairly smooth transition. Oh, John Shire is taking over officially. Yes, sir. Yep. Oh, I did not know that. That is cool, though. I did not yep. know that, but um, yeah, I mean, he'll probably run it pretty similar to Coach K, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I know that Coach K, he'll probably be still heavily involved with the program, and he'll be he'll be out and about doing his thing. So, 
um, it, it'll be exciting to see. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I actually think that uh, this isn't Hubert Davis, the head coach of UNC, yep. and he was under Roy Williams. So yeah. both Absolutely. programs doing the doing kind of the same thing. Uh, moving yep. forward in our talk, thank you for that, Skeeby. Uh, I watched this game. Uh, this was a great game. Uh, UConn and Villanova. Uh, one note on it for Villanova, uh, Connor Gillespie left the game, had to get an MRI on his knee. He's a guy that feels like he's 28. I mean, how long has he been at Nova, bro? Like, seriously. But, again, a- another program that – is just always in the mix and a dirty tournament team. I don't want to play Villanova in the tournament. First off, I think that's a huge testament to your coach, Jay, and their coach is Jay Wright. I mean, he's a ridiculous coach. Um, they seem to always be really prepared in the tournament, and that's got to be really difficult to do given that you're playing a game, you know, every other day or every two days, whatever it is. Um they're just a solid team, and uh, they beat UConn, who's been a decent team this year by 11 um, at home. So look out for them. Yeah, you know, and and like uh, we've been mentioning, you know, whenever you're a, a top-tier program like that, you're going to get every team's best effort, and you got to be – I mean, college basketball is so detail-oriented and, and going into it with the game plan and the scouts and – how you're going to attack other teams. I mean, there's, there's just so much that goes into it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, hats off to Jay Wright because uh, Villanova, obviously they get really recruits, but in comparison to the Dukes and the Kansas and Kentucky, they don't necessarily get the, those kind of recruits all the time. So for him to, you know, be able to coach a team and put them in a position to win every single game, it's, it is pretty impressive. And that's, you know, um, sometimes it's not always about the the most talented teams on paper. It, it just comes down to the, you know, the teams who are going to play together and share the ball and play defense and rebound and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, and, and kind of like you just alluded to, man, you know, sometimes in the tournament, your shots aren't always falling. Mm-hmm. And so if you run into a, a team that's not hitting their shots and, and whatnot, but you're a team that consistently dives on the floor and and takes charges and rebounds and doesn't turn the ball over, like that kind of stuff you can always take with you. So um, that's really, really important come tournament time. Yeah, and they seem to do all that stuff you mentioned really well. Um, Skip, any games catch your eye from the weekend? Uh, that was kind of the top ten. Um, if you don't have one, I want to go over the uh, the top ten real quick. I think you briefly mentioned it, but we'll uh, we'll yeah. say it official. Uh, I guess one last thing. It, it's uh, you kind of already mentioned this, but it's just crazy how um, you know the the games. There's so much meaning in every single game, and mm-hmm. you mentioned Kansas. They get a huge win over Baylor. And then now they got to go to Austin, Texas to play at another huge game. And now as we sit here finishing up this Duke game, you know, they get a huge win over North Carolina, but now they're sitting here down 55, 52 with nine minutes left in the game. So they could, Mm -hmm. they could, you know, I don't think that they're going to, but that just goes to show you that you can't, 
you can't take any night off. I mean, you got to be ready at all times. No. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and really I, I want to raise this point. Um, like the number one team in the country is Auburn. Like no, no offense to Auburn, but like Auburn basketball, like I know they've been decent these past couple of years and I'm definitely not talking shit on Auburn because they're obviously a really good program, but like college basketball is like, it's evolving. Like we have to re-mention the year this like this year of the blue bloods because they have not been dominating college basketball and i think that's a real testament to how good the sport is um especially in comparison to my sport college football um you can basically write down three teams that are gonna make the playoff and you're probably gonna at least get two if not three and that fourth one um could be a little bit of a wild card but i mean i would legitimately say that if it's a 68 team field what like 40 teams could probably win the tournament i mean yeah seriously like could go on a run that's no exaggeration because i mean you got every single year it seems like there's one or two cinderella teams yeah and you know you obviously got your your powerhouses that are always going to be there and uh you never know who's going to get hot in the tournament or you never know who's going to choke a game away and and get an early exit like there's there's a lot that goes into it so yeah shout out cole albright with Aubrey. yeah yeah <laughs> definitely shout out and they are really good uh they're, yeah, they're super really- athletic they can get up and down the floor really well they defend well um and they can score it was sick their uh their point guard his name is like katie it's either it's like katie johnson i think is his name um God, I got to be better next week, but uh, he played at Georgia last year, transferred to Auburn this year, and they played Georgia at Georgia. So he was giving the crowd the business, which, you know, you know me, I absolutely loved. Uh, he was definitely, he was definitely egging it on. Um, it was fun. And, and that's the thing we were talking about earlier, college basketball, like um, home court advantages are Um, Like, they're good in every sport, but, like, something about them in college basketball, they can can really win you a game. I mean, they really can't. I think more than than any other sport, like, um, comparing it to football, like, there's definitely home field advantages in football, but, like, you could just be better than the other team, and they can't really do anything about it. You can be more physical. You can make more passes, more runs, whatever. Like the crowd in basketball is just different. Um, in in places like Cameron and Allen Fieldhouse, like they win games. I mean, there's there's no secret. I agree one hundred percent. And and like I mentioned earlier, man, I mean I, I could barely hear the guy standing right next to me and I was in the stands. Yeah. So I can't imagine the dudes that are down there on the court or the coaching staff trying to relay plays or talking on defense. I mean, it would be damn near impossible. And, uh, you know, like you said, there's on, on a, uh, on a football field, you know, there's, there's so many players that, uh, you know, affect the game and everything on, on both offensively and defensively um, that most of the time their, their talent can just, can just overtake them. Yeah. But on ball court, you know, there's no room to hide. There's, there's mm-hmm. five, out there and if you mess up or make a huge play that can alter the game i mean you 
yeah, you're in a tough spot. And so right. um, I, I completely agree that the fans in college basketball are, are huge and um, they just provide so much energy. I mean, teams going that are going on a big run or get a big stop and you just hear the uproar of the crowd. I mean, it just, it feeds your entire team. Then the guys on the court are playing harder. The bench is going crazy. The, the coaches are loving it. I mean, it's just a whole, it's a trickle down effect for sure. Yeah. It's awesome to see. Um, and even at places like even, even mid majors really, even like it, it's, uh, it's, it's tough to play in those smaller arenas too. We'll get into that here in a second. Let's go down the top 10, uh, really quick. Um, just so everybody knows. And I got a couple teams in here I want to talk about cause I watched their game yesterday, learned some things. Um, start out Auburn, Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona, Kentucky. We've all mentioned that's the top five. Um, it's a nasty top five, but uh, Arizona up three spots from seven, actually. So that's a huge jump. UCLA, who was three, fell all the way to 12. Tough fall for them. Um, but, you know, really at the end of the day, you, I mean, they're in the tournament. So it's not like it really matters. But um, it's, it is interesting that they have them falling nine spots. Does that mean that maybe the committee or the bracketology guys don't like trust UCLA or did that just because like there wasn't a lot of losing behind them so maybe that's why yeah that's because so much- Duke Duke won Kansas won Tech won and mm-hmm. Baylor was eight and they dropped to only 10 so I don't I don't know I don't know what's going on there but that's- yeah it's hard because you know you got to factor in like strength of schedule. You got to factor in what all the other teams did. Um, And sometimes I I think that they're, they're almost kind of left with no other choice sometimes, you know, got all these other teams behind them, kind of like you said that, that win or, um, but it's, uh, it's one of those things, man, at the end of the year, they just, they got to make sure that they have the best teams where they're supposed to be. And, you know, just factor in, I I think that they got to look at it from a standpoint of if these two teams played, who would win? Yeah. And who is, who's the better just overall team. And, um, you know, I think that analytics and everything are good, but I think it, it comes down to just, I I like the eye test. (laughs) I like just seeing the team, knowing what they've done, knowing who they've beat, knowing what they can do, how dangerous they are and, and just going off of that. So um, yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but that's, that's a pretty, pretty big jump for UCLA nine spots. Yeah. Um, Rounding out the top 10, actually this is number six, starting with number six. This is a team I watched yesterday, Houston quietly 20 and two um, went on an unreal run in the NCAA tournament last year. Did they go to the Elite Eight or the final? Was it the Final Four? I don't I call me. Went to the, I think they went to the Final Four. Uh, what do you think? Do you want, I, honestly, you yeah, you're going to have to look that one up. But I know that they did make it run. And, and that's, again, you know, another team that not a lot of people talk about. We don't really see them play on TV. Um, but they're just slowly and steadily 
doing their thing and winning a lot of games. And, and that's a team that you don't want to see in the tournament at all. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Kind of like you said, there's, (laughs) there's so many teams that could win it all that there, you know, there are teams that you don't even think about that could be in the hunt. Yeah. Um, Houston did go to the final four last year. They beat Oregon state in the elite eight 67, 61. Um, and they lost to Baylor, uh, 78, 59 in the final four. So this team was poised to make another run. I obviously, and I actually watched them yesterday play Cincinnati and Cincinnati, um, nothing to write home about definitely not that good of a basketball team, but Houston was on the road on a Sunday, um Cincinnati's crowd was fired up uh and they went in there and just flat out boat raced them um there's no if ands or buts about it they got up and down the floor well and like you said Skip I think as we move forward in this podcast we want to start looking at teams that we think are nasty in a one game scenario and that is the tournament and right now I'm not for sure you want to play Houston in a one game winner take all uh type of game so keep your eye out for the Cougars um shout out jt granado houston by the way i went to houston in january pretty sick honestly h-town so and you just mentioned chan uh and we can move on to the next topic but you just mentioned man houston played oregon state elite eight i mean yeah, where the on. hell do they come from oregon state like yeah so it, it's march madness is nuts man it's crazy uh, moving forward, seven is Duke, who is getting closer and closer to the cliff's edge, Skeeby, I will say. Uh, 61-58 Virginia. Duke ball, 5-20 left in the second half. Duke uh, going to the free throw line. So we'll keep you posted as that game uh, winds down here. But um, they are seventh in the country. Um you want to just talk real quick about Paolo? Yeah, I mean, Paolo Bancaro, man. He's he's legit. He's the real deal. And um, I think that he'll, without a doubt, be a top three pick in the NBA draft. I mean, the, dude, the dude's 6'8". He's athletic. He can shoot. He can handle the ball. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's – uh, He's fun to watch, and and I think that he'll obviously be a one and done. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I like his game a lot. I think he he needs to improve his shooting just a little bit. He's a good shooter, but I, I think that in the NBA he's going to have to be able to to consistently hit his outside shots. But I mean, dude can get to the rack whenever he wants. He can get he can get a shot off however he wants. So he's. He's something special, man. Him and uh, him and the guy from Gonzaga, Chet Holmgren. I mean, they'll they'll yeah. both they'll both be dueling it out for that number one pick in the draft. Yeah, definitely. Um, Kansas is eight. Won't spend much more time on them, even though they do play tonight uh, uh, at eight um, against Texas, which we said that's a really difficult game. Um, actually, kind of rooting for the. Kind of rooting for the Hawks tonight. I'll tell you why off air, Skip. But uh, <laughs> rooting for the Hawks. Um, 
Texas Tech at nine. I don't know if you got to watch that game, Skip, um, on ESPN2 last week, I believe, against Texas. Dude, you talk about college basketball atmosphere. That place was on – it was on literal fire, dude. Like, Texas was not winning that game. Like, solely on the crowd. Say that, man, because there was a – there was a a video – actually on Instagram that uh, a dude was making like a panoramic video shot of the uh-huh. Texas crowd and they were doing, it was to the, and I'm swag. I'm surfing. I'm yeah, swag. swag surfing. <laughs> All doing it. And yeah. they said that, that was the biggest Texas tech crowd in, in that arena's history. And so, wow. uh, yeah, just, absolutely bonkers of a crowd and um again alludes to our point man that college basketball home court advantage is huge yeah giant and um they are a team very similar to houston um that you don't want to play they're super athletic defend really well and they have really good scorers uh, up and down their roster another tournament team that you're not going to want to play come march and april um, and then rounding out the top 10, this was weird to me because I actually watched number 11's game yesterday. Um, and number 11 is Providence, and Baylor is 10. Um, I understand that they played Kansas, but if you're going to drop UCLA nine spots, how do you only drop Baylor two? And especially when number 11 won, I think Providence should have made the top 10 this week. First off, they absolutely destroyed Georgetown, who is a horrific program now. Um, I honestly, Skip, I just want this on the record in case somehow I'm right. I have no insider information. Missouri State keeps playing like they're playing. Uh, uh, Maminu Muhammad gets a little pissed at Georgetown. Might have to transfer back home. I'm just saying. Hey. Um, that would be electric. Missouri State would love that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we would. We'd take them in a heartbeat. But um, Providence, really good. And what stood out to me was their guard play. Um, I didn't know anything about them going into the game. Had no idea about Providence um, and was watching it. Uh, the, I watched the whole game. Um, and Jared Bynum is their starting point guard. Kid is an animal. <laughs> Went for 32 um, in the second half, he went on a 13-0 run by himself. Holy cow. Like, dude, nope. how – yes, he – no one else scored, and they went on a 13-0 run against Georgetown. I mean, the guy absolutely went off. Um, and I'm not trying to knock Baylor by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they're going to be a team. They're, they're going to have a good tournament. But um, just kind of weird that they ranked them like that. That didn't make any sense to me because Providence has been ranked, I think, all year. They're, I mean, they're twenty and two. Yeah, yeah. No, if you're if you're a twenty one team already, you're you're legit. I mean, and if uh, if you go in there and a dude takes over the game like that and scores thirteen by himself, yeah, that's uh, that's how you know that you got you got your guy and a dude. I mean, He's he must be their go-to. I don't know a whole lot about Providence. I haven't seen much of them play this year. Yeah. Um, but that sounds legit. And and dude, that's 
you know, some of these guys in college, they just put up crazy stats. I mean, a 13-0 run by yourself, I mean, that is so impressive. And, you know, um, Ochai Abaji for Kansas, he put up 37 a couple weeks ago. You got Chet Holmgren, who had 20 points and 17 rebounds over BYU. You got Paulo Bancaro that's averaging 17 points and eight rebounds a game. I mean, these dudes are just out there balling. And it's it's just uh it's just a testament to their work and um and, and you know just the time and effort that they put into it. But also one last one that we we gotta mention as far as stats, Caitlin Clark, dude, Iowa. 46. Oh yeah. What was it? She had 46 points and 10 assists. And if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend going back and watching the highlights of that game. She was shooting from damn near half court on some of her threes. I mean, it was insane. (laughs) But that's a whole just draining it. It was wild. And uh, they did a whole segment of her on SportsCenter and just talked about her journey and everything. It It was all pretty interesting. So. Yeah, but she had 46 points and 10 assists. And you were in Iowa this weekend, right? I actually was, yeah. I was in Iowa this week. But yeah, did not get... to... yeah, but that had to have been why she did. I mean, <laughs> uh, you you graced your presence in the state of Iowa and greatness happened. Um, there we go. <laughs> so that is the top 10. Um, we will uh... – We'll uh, wrap up the show here. I want to get into some mid-major talk. You know me, Skeevy, big mid-major guy. Uh, oh, yeah. But just didn't know if there was anybody you wanted to briefly mention or uh, somebody that stood out to you. Maybe we should do that, Skip, uh, thinking out loud here. But each week we should bring on something like a like a like something that shocked us from the week and something if something good from the week is something that shocked us from the week. Maybe we should bring that on, make a little segment out of it. We can talk like about it. that. We can talk about that. Um, anything else from you from the top 10 or from anybody in the top 25? Um, well, it looks like, let's see, Duke is finally taken over 66-63. So hopefully yeah. we'll come out of here with a win. But um, yeah, man, I mean, just thinking out loud, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the seeding turns out in the, in the tournament, you know, who gets the one seeds and the two seeds. And, um, you know, a lot of times in the tournament, that's so important who you get matched up with in, in your region, because, um, you know, let's be honest, some teams have easier roads than others. And, and uh, you know, some teams got to play teams earlier in the tournament than they would like. So like yep. all of that goes into play. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see with, you know, all this jumping around and moving nine spots and you got all these good teams in the top 10. Like it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how each of these teams uh, finishes off the year and, and where they end up at as far as uh, their seed in the tournament. Yeah, I completely agree. And a lot of those seeds in the tournament have to do with, uh, with uh, what, happened with the mid-major programs because i am starting to think skip that we're going to have at least a couple leagues that might have a two two bid league that normally only has one um i mean i would think that i would have to think 
that somebody in the whack, which is what Gonzaga's in, I think somebody else will get in there with them too. And mm-hmm. then the Missouri Valley needs for Loyola to actually lose in the championship game, uh, the, the Valley championship game, because I think that – and we'll get into Loyola in a second. But I think that Loyola is in right now, and they would definitely obviously be in if they won the Valley. But I think they're in regardless as long as they make it to that championship game. Um, and so they, this is just a great year for somebody to else to win the Valley tournament. Um, and we'll get into who I think might do it here in a second. But uh, Loyola, they're good. And I guess I can just go ahead and get right into it. Um, Loyola played Missouri State yesterday. Um, Missouri State, last time they played, they had they won in in Chicago when they play Loyola in Chicago. Um, and it was a 10-point victory. Um, the Bears are just – the Bears are typical, classic, historical Missouri State Bears. Um, and the game on Sunday was no different. Um, Loyola started off kind of shaky um, and, and kind of lasted – was really, really shaky, honestly, all the way up until about four minutes left in the first half. And then from the end of that to the end of the game, it was just all ramblers. Missouri State was completely out of sync. Um, I don't understand – why teams that are super athletic like Missouri State, and this happened, why you would ever go zone. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. When you're athletic enough to guard in somebody's face, don't even let them breathe. Like, the, the thing with the zone is, is like, unless you're at Syracuse, you grow up playing man-to-man. Like, a zone, you're going to relax just naturally, unless you're just, like, forced it down your throat like they do at Syracuse. That's why there's only one team in the program, or excuse me, one team in the NCAA that runs a 2-3 zone. And I'm not saying that you don't go to the zone every once in a while for a quick change-up, a little mix-up, but the Bears were dominating the first half with hustle, defense, and second-chance opportunities. And that all comes from being energetic, being live on defense, and getting momentum built up we come out in the second half, we sit back, Loyola makes a few threes, and they just never looked back. And that's the difference in the programs, honestly, in my opinion. Uh, Missouri State is in a weird spot. Missouri State can win the Missouri Valley Tournament. There is no doubt in my mind. I mean, let me get to the standings real quick in the, in the Missouri Valley, but I think they're going to blow your mind. Like Missouri State, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we're 19 and 8, and we're in fourth. <laughs> That is wild. Like, how does that even happen? So it's like this league, the Valley is one of the best in the country, um, mid-major or uh, – we're 17 and 8, sorry. 17 and 8 in fourth place in the Valley. Had we won yesterday, we would have been in sole possession of first place. Damn. That's crazy. So that there's, what, one game – between the top four or five teams. Yeah. So it's Missouri State's eight and four in the conference. Drake's eight and three. UNI is nine and three. And Loyola's nine and two. And UNI is annoying too because they're 13 and nine. 
Like they're not, they weren't even good in the beginning of the year. And that's just a testament to basketball. That's like, that's a great way to bring back up what I said at the beginning. Like teams don't know, especially in basketball, you don't know your identity after 10 games. So like mm-hmm. those 10 games don't really even matter up until Christmas. It doesn't matter really. As long as you like don't lose every game, as long as you figure out ways to win games, you, it just, just the, the new year is such a different, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you, you start figuring out your rotations, your, um, you know, your different, different schemes, different offensive attacks. I mean, you go through stretches where you got to not do certain things and pick up on other things. And, you know, there's uh, I agree. Yeah. The, the first half of the season is really hard to get a gauge on teams. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned you and I, because I was uh, whenever I was up in Des Moines this past weekend, I put a little parlay game down and uh, had Drake over you and I, and that was the last leg of my parlay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I ended up squeaking it out. So I got four out of five parlays. <laughs> not I mean, what's not with you and I. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, of course, happy that you won your bet. But oh, I just hate, I hate Northern Iowa. I really do. Yeah. But um, that's just, you know, that's just bias from my perspective. They are a really good basketball team. Uh, the Bear, you and I, the Bears, they had them. We were winning by 20 or like 15 or 20 at halftime in Springfield and lost by one. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys blew that big of a lead. Yeah. And, but you know what? It's funny because that's just typical. That's just Missouri state right there in a nutshell, dude. Like it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. That's a brutal loss. Wow. Yeah. Lost to Illinois state Our three or now four. So we have one quality Valley loss. I mean, we lost Loyola yesterday, but our three other ones we had leads in or we were the better team, like it, not even close. And so, I mean, this team has what it takes to go win Arch Madness, but I just don't know. I just don't know if they can do it. I really don't. Man, that would be that would be so awesome if they could just come out and win the conference tournament and just get that automatic bid. Yeah, that would be, exactly. That would be not, something. Not just that, but it'd be great for the Valley because, like I said, I think I almost guarantee you it'd be a two-bid league if that happened. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so, and, and Missouri State, man, you know, they, they've – They've always had a good program, but that would just that would take them to a whole nother level. And yeah, we need to make the tournament. You know, yeah, I could not agree anymore. And and they do have the the firepower and the capability to do so. And you said that they've already beaten Loyola this year. So mm-hmm. you know, who's to say that and that's that's that is another crazy thing about about college basketball too, man. I mean, these these teams, if if they're fighting for those automatic bids or, or the at-large bids, um, if they don't make the conference tournament uh, championship, you know, they, some of these teams are having to play each other three times in one year. Yeah. And that's, that's no easy task. And so, you know, Loyola got Missouri state once Missouri state got them once. And that would obviously be the rubber match if they saw each other again, but that's a, that's a, that's a tough task. And so, um, 
you know, at that point, you just gotta, it'd just be an ultimate dogfight. And it, who, who, who knows who could take that game? Yeah. And, and we'll actually wrap up real, we'll actually wrap up the show with this last closing point uh, about Missouri State. Um, we talked about it this whole episode, uh, you know, and you just said it actually. Um, getting everybody's best shot. And not only that, but, you know, these teams know each other. Bears have a tough loss against Loyola on Sunday. They turn right around and they go on the road to Drake Wednesday. I mean, huge <laughs> game, literally massive game. Um, so, I mean, it's on, it's on, it's on a uh, Bali sports Midwest people. If you want to watch it, I mean, it's a huge game for the, uh, for the bears and the bulldogs really because they are neck and neck in the Valley standings. I believe, I think Drake is right above us. Isn't that what I said? Yep. yep. Yeah. Drake eight and three, Drake eight and three, Missouri state eight and four. So this game has a lot riding on it and there is no rest for the sick in college basketball <laughs> this year. You better not be sick for too long. Otherwise you're going to get ran over. So, um, skip, uh, I don't think I have anything else written down, brother. Um, I guess I could say one good thing about mid-majors. Um, I'm working in the Ohio Valley Conference. Murray State cracked the top 25 this week. Uh, they're number 23. Um, the OVC, sorry. I, maybe I cut myself off too early. Oh, the OVC, another potential two-bid league. Their standings are crazy. Murray State, Moorhead State, and Belmont all insanely good. Murray State 12 and 0 in the conference, Moorhead State 11 and 1 and Belmont 9 and 2. You would think that all three of those teams could make it and whichever one, or excuse me, like they could all win the Ohio Valley tournament. And how do you determine between Murray State and Moorhead who doesn't get in, whoever's in the other side of the championship if they weren't to win? That is a great question, dude. And and the other thing is, too, it's like the OVC almost wants Belmont to make it because if it's Murray State and Moorhead, I think they're both in no matter what. If those two were to play in the Ohio Valley Championship, it'd be kind of a mute – it'd be kind of a mute championship game because, like, it wouldn't matter. Wow. That is a great point, dude. Like, of course That's... you want to win. You want to win. The, like, both teams are going to play well, but, like yeah. – you're still going to get another game, <laughs> you know? Dude, that's – so that conference just has an unreal an unreal neck-and-neck matchup with those top three or four teams. Yeah. I mean, that's – dude, talk about every single game mattering. And, <laughs> like, uh-huh. dude, that's insane. And, and that's – for teams like that, you know, I don't know, like Moorhead State or Murray State or Belmont. I don't know, like what their history is as far as like tournament appearances, but can't be too many. Belmont is actually they're a pretty. They've been kind of in and out of the tournament a lot. Yeah, but that's... those other ones. I mean, Murray hasn't been there since Jaw. Moorhead, mm-hmm. shout out Moorhead for Kenneth Fareed, the Manimal. <laughs> He's a Moorhead State alumni, dude. That's actually pretty sick. And Belmont actually comes to Cape Girardeau on Saturday, so I get to sit courtside and watch Belmont on Saturday. I'm pretty fired up about that. Nice. Yeah. That would be sweet. That would be a great game to see. 
So that'll probably be my and Simo. I shouldn't talk shit on Simo. Simo five and five in the OVC in fourth place. I mean, I was gonna say, man. I mean, Simo got a big win against Missouri State earlier this year. And yeah, and that was. So, I mean, crazy. Those two teams. That game was ninety nine to ninety four. I don't think either team has even scored more than eighty five in conference play. <laughs> just a lot of a uh, lot of offense not a whole lot of defense well that just shows like how different your teams are because they played yeah. that was like the first game that was like november 16th or something like that yep and look how yep. far we've come dude so, it's crazy there's some really sick mid-major uh conferences right now that are heating up big time so don't take your eyes off that people um Skip, final thoughts, remarks, uh, anything you want to get off your chest? <laughs> wow. Well, I hope Duke pulls this game off because this is an insane game. And uh, I'm just going to sit here and cross my fingers. But uh, Oh, I just <laughs> yeah. saw that. So, yeah, you must have been a little bit behind me. So I, oh I my just... God. No, I just watched the replay. Okay, folks, hold on. 0.7 seconds left in the game. Virginia just sank a three, presumably right in front of their own bench um, to go up one here. Duke, 0.7 wow. seconds inbound. I think it's going to be under their own basket. We'll see what happens. As of right wow. now, I would say Virginia has a 99.9% chance of winning. <laughs> I mean, okay. God, just Virginia, man. They got that. They got good defense every single year. I mean, Duke comes out and puts up 85 points against Carolina. And, and um, yeah, while we and trouble also, scoring. while we sit here and wait for this uh, inbounds play, uh, it's just hilarious, too. I was watching a little NBA yesterday and I really it was one of the first games I've really watched like minute to minute actually. And it was the nuggets and the nets. And mm -hmm. I think it was like, I think it was like 72, 71 at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> and this game's like coming down to the wire and it's 69, 68, just a <laughs> completely different sport. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty crazy. And that was okay. just horrible defense on Duke's part on that last Ooh. play. Oh, no. Great look. See, I, that's weird. Now I'm behind you. I haven't seen it yet. Well, it must not be good. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> good pass. Uh, <laughs> well honestly that'll be good content for the people listening to the two yeah. contradicting uh reactions but if that you couldn't tell tough. duke loses by one at home after wow. a huge win against north carolina skip um they let one slip away here unfortunately yeah they will uh they will unfortunately be out of the top 10 now I'm sure. And, ah, uh, I mean, dude, that's crazy. I, I never would have expected them to lose this game. But, nope. again, college <laughs> basketball is college basketball, man. It's wild. You never know what you're going to get. 
It's awesome. And this has been a phenomenal first college basketball episode. Um, I'm excited to see where this goes in the future. Uh, if anybody has any tips or anything they want to hear about, conferences they want to hear about, um, we're gonna. I'm gonna start trying to um, dial in more conference, conference per conference um, as we move more towards uh, conference tournament games. But I just wanted to get in here and get a, a quick, uh, more so overview of what's going on throughout the college basketball world. Uh, just to kick off the show, um, it's going to be coming out on Monday evenings. Um, so most of you hopefully listen to it Tuesdays. Uh, follow us at figure it out underscore pod on everything. Um, and if you have any suggestions, hit me up. Uh, Skeeby, we'll talk to you next Monday, brother. Keep an eye out on college basketball. Should be a great week. Hey, we'll do, man. I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be on it for sure. And thanks again for having me. And I'm really stoked for, uh, this segment of the show, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right. See you later, bro. Peace.